Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One, one quick note I want to make is that I don't think that history repeats itself, but it rhymes. Yes. So we'll see something similar as how things were, but there, there's going to be a new spin on it. Right. Um, and that that's, in my opinion, what rebellion will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and how how we address these issues, oh, man, I mean, one of the biggest disparities I see is family courts. Yes. Like, especially in the state I live in, it's it's slowly changing, but just automatically siding with the woman. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 162. I've been looking forward to this conversation since I was on his show. I'm a fan of his show, and hopefully he's a fan of mine, and hopefully um, you know, we put out something good together, and hopefully everybody checks out his show and subscribes. I got Jacob from Rise to Liberty with me today. How you doing, dude? Not too bad. Just uh, hanging out, waiting for this. This is pretty much all I have to do today, which is it- wonderful for once. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how um, <laughs> we're going to sound like old people now, but uh, how the weather is out your way. Um, last night, my wife and I went to go look at Christmas lights, and I fucking ran my car into the side of a hill. And oh, uh, p- perhaps that's what I get for stirring up a Twitter shitstorm, but at the same time, we saw a good night, <laughs> and uh, we didn't get home until super late. So it's snowy here in Pennsylvania. How is it out in Utah? Snowy um, and cold, like freezing cold. Yeah. You know, clear skies, and so there's nothing to keep any heat in. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been like six degrees. Oh, oh yeah. I, yeah. I'd be pissed. I'd be I'd be hanging in the house too. I normally oh, yeah. uh get up and go to the gym. I'm normally at the gym, usually anywhere from like five thirty to six on Sundays. And uh today I just kind of stayed in, slept because I'm like, look, if I leave right now, I fucking ran my car into a hill. I'm I'm not gonna go slide around. I'll wait till they kind of clean shit up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh anyways, um I guess let's do the usual libertarian podcast thing. What made you a libertarian and kind of lay out your story of how you got to where you are today? Uh, well, the first thing, uh, uh, two simple words is Ron Paul, of course. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a Ron Paul libertarian. Um, oddly enough, you know, back when I used to be a scumbag in high school, um, I was flipping through a High Times magazine and I found a uh, advertisement for Ron Paul's 2008 campaign. Mm-hmm. And it was a politician who supported the full legalization and decriminalization of marijuana, 
which I thought was political suicide. <laughs> I was like, that that is insane. Well, I wasn't old enough to vote 2008, but 2012 came around. He was running again. I paid attention. Um, other than that, what really woke me up was actually uh, G. Edward Griffin's um, Creature from Jekyll Island. Mm-hmm. As soon as I found out that money's all bullshit, that was it. It was all downhill from there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just paying attention to Ron Paul, uh, G. Edward Griffin, um, it kind of led me down the the winding road to eventually being a libertarian uh republicans always just pissed me off they were warmongering um never followed through with what they said democrats just always seemed crazy to me and so i i just landed libertarian nice yeah um that kind of seems to be um the story for a lot of people um we were shooting the shit a little bit off air about um how not enough people listen to safan molyneux but that was uh yeah. that was actually largely my introduction because my older brother used to consider himself a crazy liberal and much like you um when my brother was in this kind of crazy liberal phase and um he had uh introduced me or that that just the whole appeal of liberalism and the way that like they would talk about stuff just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way but you know i'm i'm like a 14 15 year old kid i don't know shit about any of that so um did you hear like some of the like some of the stuff my brother used to be like the amazing atheist who was like good on men's issues but like everything else he sucked (laughs) and then like the young turks were like the two big things so like what was your exposure to the left and why did you reject that so, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I definitely came from more of a uh, a biased side. Sure. So, my my grandparents were John Birch Society members, mm-hmm. and uh, just like pure anti-communist. And then, as I got older, I actually just had to learn about it. You know, I have integrity. I want to know exactly what I'm saying that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So I just read the Communist Mani- Manifesto after wow. after high school and uh, kind of just listened to what Democrats say. I mean, the interesting thing about liberals is they tell you exactly what they're about if you listen, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so it, it, it wasn't hard. Uh, I listened to the Young Turks. The Young Turks definitely drove me crazy. Uh, like, Chang, just, just Google it. Just Google oh, it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> It just makes so much sense. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous, the whole thing. And then it never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Just the p- starting position where they came from uh, and then the follow-through. The follow-through is always where they get me. Mm-hmm. Like, I would listen to Bernie Sanders and, like, his criticisms are pretty decent. And then his follow-through is just, like, where he loses me. And it's like... You know, big corporations and all this stuff is bad and big government spending. And then so we need more government. And then I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? That doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. So um, how would you describe where you grew up? Because um, you said that your pa- or your grandparents were like fervently anti-communist, which is, you know, obviously from our perspective, a good thing. But um, I-, I feel like today and we talked about this a little bit on your show was that um. You know, you don't want to go necessarily too far one way or the other. And that's not to say you should always fall right in the middle. But, um, you know, when you start getting down this like McCarthyist route of there's a communist underneath your bed, as I think even some libertarians kind of think, um, you know, I, I feel like you get a little bit too far off in the woods and then you become 
what you sought out to kind of be against and destroy. So yeah. um, I know it's a little bit of a long tangent, but what was like your community like and the surroundings for you? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say that communists aren't people, they're government property. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that that's, that's a half joke, but um, three quarters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Distributed <laughs> evenly. Exactly. <laughs> Amongst each other. Yeah. The greater good. <laughs> so, I mean, my, my community was, was all, uh, you know, middle, middle class, I would say. Um, I've always been somewhere in between lower middle class and higher middle class, which is right in there. I was raised uh, a white kid in suburbia, you know, um, but then lived through the 2008 crash or, you know, big bank theft, basically. <laughs> and um, I mean, it, it was good, you know, just middle class for, for the most part, uh, blue collar lots of blue collar work um raised on a farm and a farm ranch mm -hmm. so that's just kind of the background i came from really hard working blue collar american um and then uh you know grew up a little bit and got into music and then it was all downhill you know <laughs> for for a long time for a long time uh hit the rebellion streak really hard uh like we were talking <laughs> about earlier um came from a single mother household mm -hmm. and you know my mother's a saint love her to death um closer to her now than i've ever been you know and uh yeah it was it was just uh typical american upbringing you know i had just enough daddy issues to not be a complete piece of shit but uh you know get into angry music yeah yeah man and that kind of i feel that my um you know, kind of in my former years in like my, you know, early to late teens that I was in a lot of the, uh, the same kind of stuff. But, um, that's interesting that you said you kind of grew up on a farm, but, uh, something that I enjoy talking to people about is this kind of idea of the blue collar work and like an honest day's pay in a way. Um, I had started working when I was 15 years old at a McDonald's because there was one like couple blocks away from me that I could walk to. And I remember always being annoyed with the people who would kind of stick their nose up at people like in middle school and high school who would go to work for fast food and they say, Oh, well, I don't want that job because I'm above that. It's like, okay, well, do you want money or not? Well, yeah, I want a paycheck. Okay. So how far are you willing to go to get that paycheck? For me, there wasn't anything low enough for me that I wouldn't do to earn money. Yeah. Well, that, that actually sounds bad. Not, <laughs> but but you, everybody knows what yeah. I mean, right? I would go work yeah, at within McDonald's. Reason. You're right. I'd go work at McDonald's for seven twenty five an hour to make a paycheck. So, um, that really stuck with me. And then when I went to the automotive field, I started working in a dealership for literally the same amount of money. I was changing oil and rotating 100-pound tires for um, $7.25 an hour. Um, do you feel like that work experience in your youth being raised on a farm kind of transferred over into your career life and also personal life? Oh, most definitely. So like one of, one of the first jobs I actually had, I, I was a lifeguard oh, uh, when I was 16. Okay. Yeah. And... Let me tell you, when you're 16, being a lifeguard, being able to check out chicks in bikinis all day, <laughs> dude, hands down. And I was, I was getting paid. So it was actually at an amusement park that we have here. The, the only one we have here is called Lagoon Amusement Park yeah, or Adventure Park. I, I don't know, whatever the fuck. Uh, the lifeguards get paid the most mm -hmm. out of any other department, rides, concessions, whatever. 
And so I was always walking around the park like I was the shit. You know, I, I was bronze. I was good looking and everything. And uh, I'd check out chicks all day. It was great. Um, not until later, actually, um, I started working on a farm uh, independently, you know, by, by my own uh, volition. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a little kid, of course, I would, I would help out on the ranch, but it never really sunk in what I was doing or how important it was. Um, started working on a local farm here, a, a vegetable farm that had a harvest festival every year. Do hay rides, pumpkin patches. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, had had a haunted house and everything. Started in the haunted house, and then I worked my way to uh, just doing farm work, mm-hmm. and worked there about eight years, I think, um, until it became not profitable. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks big government. Yeah. Um, it it was honestly the most rewarding work I've ever had, wow. and it is easily carried over into everything else. Um, I was raised with the do it right or don't do it at all attitude. So do it right the first time. And that that's pretty much how I do everything. Yeah. Um, one thing, and I'm sure you probably feel this as well. Um, when I was working for 725 an hour, I was always, um, I was resentful initially about the people who really treated me really, really poorly. But then as the years kind of went by, I realized, oh, I got my ball shattered because they wanted me to be a better person. And, (laughs) you know, the younger people that now I pretty much get to teach, they don't always understand that. But I I like want to get in their brains and just tell them, like, look, this is for your own good. Like the the boomers and all the people that I'm sure you grew up around with, just as I did, um, a lot of the time they really did have our best interests at hearts. Now, when we oh, talk yeah. political stuff, we may not always agree, but like when it came to an honest day's work, they really wanted that kind of lesson imparted upon us. And I really think that that does um, you know, vibe well with not only libertarianism, but also kind of like this greater idea of maintaining freedom and a culture that's going to tolerate the responsibilities that come with that. Yeah, it's it's independence, mm-hmm. and yeah, I got my balls busted a lot. And any any time any time I fucked up, which I was young and dumb, so it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my ass handed to me, rightfully <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're so coming from a a, a single mother home. Um, I actually had to surround myself with uh, you know strong male role models. I had to choose my role models it actually worked out well in my case you know doesn't always for everyone but you know uh in my case it did i was smart enough um and uh i don't know wise enough oddly you know for being a dumb teenager but yeah i i always had my ass handed to me when i screwed up but it wasn't always just uh you're in trouble for the sake of being in trouble right it, it was always you're in trouble but you need to understand why. Mm-hmm. And I always had that. Um, and then it was, you know, reinforced by my mother. So um, learned a lot of hard lessons, but it was all my doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I learned them. So yeah. it's uh, it's interesting when you are on the bottom. Um, obviously, there are those people that have every intention of treating you badly just because usually those are management people you know 
that never go anywhere. They just stay at management, mm. probably still working management. Yeah. The bee encounters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but really a lot, a lot of it is, uh, internalized too, because of course you make the the final decision. Uh, how am I going to take this? Am I just going to say, fuck you and walk off? Or am I actually going to do something about this? And, uh, yeah, at the time I didn't know what I was doing, but, uh, I'm here now. So what's up everybody. Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by element T electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys, thanks. Yeah, so kind of pivoting back to uh, a little bit more of your youth. Um, when I was on your show, I believe you had a Cannibal Corpse hoodie on. So um, something that I, I enjoy talking to do a fellow, you know, kind of metal and heavy music travelers about is like, what kind of got you into heavier music and what was like your first concert? Cause for me, my first concert was Guar Lamb of God and job for a cowboy. Nice. And I mean, I loved heavy music for years before that, but I'll never forget like just the totality of walking into an outdoor area where there's loud music. Like I, I could still see this just walking around the fence and seeing a band playing on stage and feeling it just rock the concrete beneath me. Um, did you have any kind of moments like that? And then obviously how did you get into the heavier uh, stuff and like, you know, w what's just kind of your experience with metal? Oh, so, I mean, my first concert, well, let, let's see, let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, my, my sister's a child of the eighties. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> my, my dad's not, uh, not too much older. It's like seven years older. Um, she, she has a different dad, so we're half siblings, sure. but, um, so my sister was always listening to just metal, mm -hmm. uh, all, all kinds of, uh, Motley Crue, Pantera, Judas Priest, all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, the first metal album I ever got given was Judas Priest, British Steel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I was like eight years old. And my, my dad handed it to me and said, you want to listen to something heavy? Listen to this. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And it, it took me back. I was like mesmerized by the, uh, by the fingers and the razor blade on the cover. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was hooked. Um, but then uh, that was pretty much my exposure was just, you know, listening to what my parents listened to. Mm -hmm. And then uh, fast forward, my first concert was actually Kiss and Aerosmith <laughs> when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sister took me to my first concert, and then uh, it it sparked everything. Uh, Kiss, well, Kiss is a money grab, so you know it, it felt like that. 
they heard and got off the stage, did the blood, did the smoking guitar, got off stage. But Aerosmith fucking destroyed it. Wow. Like, I will always go see Aerosmith if I ever get a chance. Yeah. Um, then when I was uh, 13, uh, well, in between 12 and 13, I had just started, started getting into uh, music on my own. And, of course, I had listened to, you know, what my parents listened to. But then my cousin had showed me Good Charlotte, mm-hmm. which at the time I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like, angsty pop punk. Mm-hmm. And then uh, met up with some friends at school after I had started exploring some music. And then I went to my first local show when I was 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, actually went to the show, was standing on the edge of the mosh pit. Somebody did a spin kick, kicked me in the back of the head. Ooh. My head bounced off the floor and uh, ended up going to the hospital getting stitches. And you became a libertarian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Started with a head injury at a metal show. <laughs> so yeah, um, after after that, I was hooked. You know, I uh, the the club owner ended up giving me free tickets to a Scary Kids Scaring Kids concert, mm. and uh, I, I was hooked. Yeah. I went every single weekend. Um, yeah, dude, there was something about those local shows as a kid. Um, we had a place called Roundhouse up here. Um, well, where I'm from, which is like Nature on Heights, Pennsylvania. This is a little pizza shop, and man, all these hardcore bands would come through, and it was just like there's something exhilarating in the air. And um, I'm sure you could resonate with that, oh, yeah. especially you know getting kicked in the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's unlike anything else, and I haven't experienced anything like that since. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, all of uh, the local clubs, you know, all age venues and stuff had closed down in my immediate area. There's, there's still some down in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there's nothing quite like the music scene that was. And I mean, I got introduced to just all kinds of different bands and of course started playing in a band myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was like my whole world at one point, you know? Um, and then as I got older, I just got into heavier and heavier music, found the groove in which I like, you know, I like uh, first and second wave of British heavy, heavy metal. You know, my, my favorite band without a doubt's Motorhead. Uh, just, okay. Yeah. We are Motorhead. We play rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, other than that, of course, uh, you know, the Acacia Strain, uh, of course, recently like Lorna Shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been just destroying it. Mm-hmm. Um, Thy art is murder. So I've I've kind of got these both like old school, like wanting to listen to uh, Diamond Head, old school Metallica, and then on the other side, want to just listen to the most DJ and uh, like demonic stuff possible. Yeah, so, just kind of all over the place, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I, I kind of miss, and I feel like a lot of music doesn't have this today, but like you listen to like old motorhead or specifically i always think of pantera and people will hate that i say this but i I will always believe pantera was the best band to ever walk the face of the earth because just like watching the video of them playing in russia it was like dude who couldn't yeah. top that just the raw fucking power of a four piece no less yeah um just this we we are fucking pantera from you know 1990 to you know 2003 just 
the fucking kick in the gut that they didn't care what anybody else did and that propelled them to the top there's something to be said about that but you know motorhead was kind of the same deal where it was you know lemmy is lemmy and that's it yep so um did you get to see motorhead i did um okay, yeah gotta gotta see them a handful of times nice. um still the loudest band i've ever seen ever <laughs> without a doubt mm-hmm. and they, they always started loud and then somehow they always ended up playing louder Mm-hmm. always <laughs> like halfway through the set they would just crank it up to 11 and dude it was insane mm-hmm. um last time i saw him saw him right when lemmy was getting sick um and they came to salt lake uh paid 30 bucks watched them play three songs and then they they called the show mm-hmm. you know lemmy wasn't feeling good and uh that was the three best songs ever you know was it so, a mayhem festival in what was that 2012? Um, so one of the first times I saw him was actually uh, uh, mayhem festival, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, like Slipknot, Anthrax, Slayer, Motorhead, yeah. like it was just like an amazing lineup. Mm. Um, but the last time I saw him, it was actually just a, a Motorhead tour. Uh, so okay, wow, and they called yeah. it in three songs, yeah. yeah. He just felt like shit. He let me came out, played played one song, um, and then uh, played the second song. They took a break, mm-hmm. and then uh, he came back out, played another, and then ended up taking a break. And he just never came back out. So it was like three weeks, four weeks before he passed. Oh wow! Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, dude. That 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 sucks. Cause he, you know he was just brazenly lemmy like there was nobody else who had like the personality of him it kind of reminds me i saw huntress and their singer jill janice committed suicide and i actually met her and she was talking about lemmy on stage so that's kind of what uh prompted me to kind of go down this rabbit hole a little bit but yeah it was uh they were great and i only seen motorhead once and that was at mayhem festival but i just feel like a lot of music today doesn't have that same kind of soul and I think yeah. we talked about this a little bit on your show as well, is that uh, what Dime was talking about in this one video is just like the little squeaks or the little imperfections are sometimes what makes, um, you know, the, the music so great. And a lot of that's removed where like you could probably hear the imperfections or like the the rasp of Lemmy's voice yeah. back in the day where a lot of singers don't necessarily have that same grace today. Well, well, it's uh, everything's overproduced, mm-hmm. you know, like that's that's what I don't like about uh a lot of uh, late '90s and early 2000s death metal. Um, mm-hmm. It all started sounding the same. It was all repetitive, and it's like, how many blast beats can you handle? You know. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I love blast beats, but uh, <laughs> you know, I need I need something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know. It's it's interesting, um, especially now because there's a lot of sampling, and everything everything seems a a little too artificial. Mm-hmm. And there, there's very few bands now that can pull the uh, the, the genuine rock out yeah. and just just be them and their instruments. Uh, there, there is one band highly recommend anyone who loves rock and roll. They're called Mothership. It's a three piece mm-hmm. band out of Texas. Okay. Just is it's just pure rock and roll, man. Mm-hmm. It's just like one of the best times ever, and they're they sound large. You know, and for being a three piece, it's just crazy. But they like 
two of them are brothers and they grew up with their drummer. And so they just have this connection that, you know, most people don't. So highly recommend that band to anyone. Yeah, I'll have to check them out. Um, also talking about Motorhead, um, do you listen to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons? I have, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're okay, you know. It's just they're they're on my playlist, but it's not it's not something that I I seek out. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I I heard of them because I think I was listening to. Uh, like a playlist with Jared James Nichols on it. And he's more of like a blues rock finger picking guitar player. And he's insanely fucking good. And then they kept coming up. I'm like, man, these guys fucking kick yeah. ass. And then when I finally looked at it, I'm like, Oh, well, <laughs> Phil Campbell, that explains it then. Yeah. Um, so for me, I kind of really cut my teeth on like the 2001 to like 2000, I would say like nine at the latest new wave of american heavy metal what were your thoughts on kind of like the metal core then like the trivium lamb of god uh god forbid shadows fall bands like that um how did you feel about that because it seems like you and i kind of came from the same place oh yeah so i mean my my first like underground band that i found was azalea dying mm. which i still love to this day yeah. like tim tried to murder his wife and that sucks but i i still love the band mm-hmm. you know um especially that that first uh that first album where they uh started getting notoriety mm-hmm. um kill switch engage was always huge yeah. love them uh kill switch engage with howard is is just unmatched in my opinion probably the best band out of that uh realm of metalcore mm-hmm. um lamb of god i think they've gotten better with time mm-hmm. um that that was uh Ashes of the Wake was actually one of the few albums that, you know, I first had. Um, I always experimented with different music. And, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like heavy metal or just heavy music, it's the most broad range of music out there. Yes. Because, I mean, you, you've you got, like, just every type of metal you could possibly think of, whereas in pop music, it's just pop music. Right. You know? <laughs> And so I, I definitely explored all the, you know, uh, different types of metal. Tried to get into uh, uh, technical melodic death core and stuff like that. You know, like uh, Dillinger Escape Plan was always one of my favorites. Greg's um, absolutely incredible. I've always loved yeah. his voice. It took me a while to get into them, but once you're into them, you're like, yeah. oh, they're really good. Yeah, exactly. It's like math core or something, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like... It's like people who really know how to play their instruments extremely well. Oh yeah. Um love Lamb of God though. And I, I think uh here's here's the thing though, with Randy, his his vocals, I think he's just subpar. Really? He, he's good. Yeah. I, I think he's Ooh, good. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think he is but I don't think he's doing anything that anybody else isn't doing. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not pushing the bounds, but he's like a like if you were learning just how to do dirty vocals, mm-hmm. like he would be a good baseline to be like that's how you do it and that's how you do it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. I've always said like in the death metal stuff, I've always thought he was probably one of the best screamers just because of uh his range. But um, I, I could see where you're coming from with that now. Best vocalist overall, um, I feel like Phil Anselmo probably takes that title. Oh, yeah. And just because, like, 
nobody even realizes like his vocal history like if you listen to cowboys from hell you'll hear some of it but then like if you go to i think it's metal magic or projects in the jungle yeah. um, one of those albums was the one with him in like 1988 he could do the hair metal stuff like the song death trap was badass yeah. like panther had like three or four albums that nobody knows about but they were fucking killer they just oh, yeah. weren't the pantera that we know today um but yeah phil i felt like you know he could do the death core stuff you know with the screaming and then you know let's say like more bluesy stuff with down and then even um southern isolation i think the band was called where it was like an acoustic project with one of his oh, yeah. ex-wives that was really good and then you know obviously pantera um super joint ritual all that stuff that he's done he's just had such a wide career but, um, you know, kind of pivoting over to that, um, I was texting Tommy Sammons, if you know who he is. He runs the Year Zero podcast. Uh, uh-uh. You'll have Not to check him out. the top of my head. Anyways. Okay, yeah, yeah, So uh, I'll have to send you over some of his stuff. I was on his show a couple of times, and he's a real big metal fan, too. Him and I were shooting the shit about Rob Flynn. And look, I love Machine Head. Like, I think they're one yeah. of the most talented bands out there. That being said... Rob Flynn's a fucking cunt. <laughs> so I was <laughs> watching the his first time I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. Not the uh, I, I met him and Phil Demel, Adam Deuce, and um, Dave McLean back when they toured with Mayhem Festival in like eleven or twelve, and um, I, I think he became more cunty over time. But um, do you see kind of heavy music having this woke? progressive problem and i feel like rob flynn isn't like the worst of it but he's definitely one of the more notable you know notable people in the metal community that represents that side of the culture oh yeah there's a first of all there's a lot of gatekeeping mm-hmm. which is ridiculous yeah. um that that doesn't just happen in you know metal that also happens in punk mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of the you know the the woke stuff or the virtue signaling uh type mentality actually bled over from the punk scene because you have people like fat mike of no fx who's just a, just a pure virtue signaler and considering somebody who's called fat mike who sings in a band called no fucking straight edge you know like you would consider that maybe not aligning um but there became this idea of like metal or like the metal community being com- like completely sexist and racist and stuff. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> I never experienced that. Like, of course there's right. some like racist bands, but that's not, that's, that's not indicative of just like the metal community. Right. Um, like I, I saw recently somebody was trying to take Pantera down because, you know, they use the rebel flag. Right. And it's like, god you you people are stupid um or like the uh resurgence of uh metallica uh with stranger things and there there was a tiktok video going around like showing all the guys from like pictures in in the 80s before cliff died and stuff um of them wearing like the an iron cross t-shirt or whatever and it's like that that has nothing to do with what you think it does you're just all idiots so now I think there are definitely a faction of maybe I, I could say like woke moralists yeah, that are trying to point out something that's just not even there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is um, 
as I mentioned, I was texting Tommy about Rob's whole meltdown with Phil after a dime bash in, uh, what was that? That was probably like 2018, something like uh, 2017, maybe. And like, <laughs> I went to rock on the range and I saw down and what down will usually finish with is bury me in smoke. And for nobody that knows at the very end of the song, they have like this whole kind of like build up and then on the track it fades out and then comes back in dun, 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 and it's it's a really really cool part and it's even cooler to see live and what's cool about it is that they'll invite people from all these other bands to come out on stage so there's like everybody you could possibly imagine that's at the festival coming out on stage and one of the people that came out on stage was Vernon reed from living color to play a guitar solo at the very end like if Phil was racist, do you really think they would be allowing the guys yeah. from Living Color to come out and hang out? Like, and even Zach Wild, who you know has a good relationship with Phil, said like, "Yeah, he goofed up here, but he knows that Phil's a good person and that that's not the way that he feels." So, like you said, it's people pointing out something that's so ridiculous, and then even like, God forbid, God forbid was huge. Mm -hmm. God forbid lifted up so many bands, like even. If you ask the guys in Trivium, they'll say, God forbid, took us on our first tour. Trivium is huge now. And God forbid, a band of literally all black guys took out one of the biggest bands in metal today on their first tour. Now, you could maybe make some kind of argument that God forbid didn't do well enough because they called it quits in 2012. I think that's silly. I'm sure there was more than just racism in that. But then, oh, like, yeah. even beyond that, Bad Wolves. Bad Wolves had huge success with a black guitar player from God forbid, and then a black singer. And I've always said those guys deserve every bit of success they get because all those people in that band came from plenty of other like yeah. amazing bands that never got the notoriety they deserve. So that's a long tangent, but um, yeah, I, I still love Bad Wolves with or without Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I believe the singer Barrier Dead uh, is is black now. Well, he uh, um he was there, but then he left, and then um ah. what's his, I, I can't remember his name, but uh he bury your yeah. dead changing singers. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, Mike Terry and Mike Terry was fantastic. Yeah. He sings for uh volumes now, if I remember correctly. Another great band. Yeah, yeah, it, it's you know as of like why there aren't like a huge population of like non well actually there there's a huge population of mexican people in the metal community mm -hmm. so like if if metal was intrinsically racist that wouldn't exist dude el nino el nino yeah. is one of the biggest like new metal bands and they sing in in latin i think singing yeah not all in latin but you know what i'm getting at yeah exactly um and i mean well first of all look at howard yeah He's a black look at simple torah yeah, it's simple. To, there's there, and yes, Derek's not the original singer, but they've had him for almost thirty fucking years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not all you know, white guys with blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> you know, like, and then there there are a couple of like uh, like white power bands I've come across, but they're never popular. Everyone always fucking hates them. Yeah, like they're they're just not a thing now. I, I would say, you know, there there's probably an issue within the black metal community, you know, um, that's an, that's, that's an issue in and of itself. Like some of those Scandinavian countries are kind of racist yeah. and a lot of those black metal guys are. But it's a um, it's a whole different culture outside of America. Yeah. Like that that's a very exactly. homogenous country. And we just, we don't understand that. Right. That's not the American yeah. life. Well, and 
it's not supported by anybody. It's not like everyone's like, oh yeah, these guys are racist, so that's why they're good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that that's just fucking absurd. So yeah, there there's definitely well in after this whole COVID thing, there's definitely this faction of uh people who appear to be rebels who are just not. Yeah. And they just go along with everything, you know. Um I, I talked to uh, David Sanchez from Havoc about that. Oh, I had yeah, him on my awesome. show. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I love David. He's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, another, you know, non-white person playing awesome thrash metal, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's an issue that's just not there. But I think that that's indicative of just our culture in general. Mm-hmm. Like, the millennial generation is like looking for their civil rights movement mm-hmm. and there is none right and so you've got to create problems and yeah. i i think like that's just kind of where we are is a lot of people are creating problems that just aren't there yeah yeah well people want to be able to tell their story of success or their story of overcoming oppression so if you could find that dragon to slay then now you have a story to tell and now you can lift yourself up in that regards but yeah david sanchez um i was on actually speaking of uh, tommy a little bit earlier um i was on tommy's podcast with david actually um because we were talking about the music industry and the response to covid over 2020 and um he had an interesting perspective on um, people who play music talking about politics. And he said, I don't tell other people who have a different job to just shut their mouth and do their job. He said, this is now affecting my livelihood. So why can't I speak up about it? And even on the other side, if there's people who want to advocate for lockdowns, obviously we disagree with them. They should be allowed to speak about it too. But that being said, you know, it's funny that a lot of people typically do just say, Oh, you should shut your mouth and just play guitar. No, these guys actually (laughs) have, they have valid criticisms of political matters as well now just because creative people tend to be a little bit more left-leaning you're going to see a disproportionate amount of people who play music that tend to follow the progressive narrative but the ones like ted nugent or and not that ted nugent and david sanchez are the same but those guys who are a little bit more dissident of that um we should allow them to speak as well we shouldn't tell them we shouldn't tell either side to just shut up and play music because you know these are people who are affected by political matters as well especially over 2020 where these bands primarily make their income off of fucking touring yeah i think about the only person i would tell to just shut up and do their job is Corey taylor Thank you. I can't. I can't fucking stand Feel like him. Mutual. Him and Dave Grohl. <laughs> fucking Dave yeah. Grohl. He said, "I told my daughter, or my daughter told me that she was scared when Donald Trump got elected." I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're like this fucking limousine liberal playing in one of the biggest fucking yeah. bands on the planet, and you're telling me your daughter's scared, dude. Suck my dick. Seriously, like you, you've been in Nirvana, and now you're in Foo Fighters. Yeah. And, yeah there's just a couple of key people that like speak out that i'm just i just roll my eyes at yeah it's more of a joke than anything uh cory taylor or is one of those people plus uh i mean i'm not a slipknot fan anymore after what they did to uh joey kicking him out i was uh, joey was my favorite so yeah after that i was just like whatever you know that and paul gray had died so it's it's a new band now. It's just, yeah. you know, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't want to listen to rage against the machine either. You know, yeah. I mean, I would never stop them from speaking is the thing, yeah. but I'm going to talk shit, you know, mm-hmm. like fuck those guys, you know, uh, rage against the machine brought to you by capital one. 
Like it's <laughs> three hundred dollar oh tickets for yeah. nosebleeds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's, I don't know. It's uh, I think we're actually in a, a sad state uh, is creatively. You know, our our culture is definitely like in a slump, and there there's just this uh, do what the machine says kind of attitude, mm-hmm. and it's like that's not rock and roll. It's not rock and roll at all. Right. You know, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm expecting the rebellion to come back really hard, though, because mm-hmm. it always happens. Yeah. So I, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. But um, I've heard and I don't know that I've necessarily seen this backed up by any kind of data, but like the Zoomers. So the generation beneath us, because you're how what year were you born? 92. So I'm okay, a millennial. So- Okay, yeah, so so am I. I was born in 94. Um, they've said that the generation after us is much more conservative than our generation. Um, I could believe it, but, you know, time will tell, obviously. Yeah. I'm almost curious – no, I am very curious, actually, about what this rebellion is going to look like. Is it going to be kind of like returning to tradition, or is this going to be something that we just can't fathom as it is right now? Like – so what do you think that's going to look like going forward? Are we going to see kind of like this more radical, progressive, but like hippie resurgence in music? Or do you think it's going to be something completely different, like maybe a little bit more right wing? I think we're going to see a little bit of both. So, I mean, I've, I've heard from Zoomers um, like the the rebellion right now is, hey, let's go to church. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would hear that, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. like that's just wild, but I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So, um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein and they have the amino acids and everything on there. 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! There, there's a whole bunch of uh, women now who are rejecting this... Um or soon to be women, you know, they're, they're not quite women yet, but they're, they're rejecting the idea of just sleeping around, um, having multiple partners and just living this party lifestyle. So I I've heard a lot of zoomers talk about, you know, getting married, being faithful, having kids. And I've, I've seen zoomers as well. Uh, zoomer girls talk about, a. I'd rather just stay home and be barefoot and pregnant. And I'm like, what timeline time timeline am I on? Because this this is just wild. But it's it's like a complete rejection of feminism. Um, and not all of it is religious is as well. So, you know, some of it is more of the the hippie route of like, let's just get back to the earth, let's care about people. Like I can I can have these certain opinions and also not be a fucking degenerate. Right. 
Yeah, so that kind of speaks to like the Ron Paul revolution in a way almost. And it's funny because we were talking about this more towards the front of the show. But like Ron Paul kind of made it okay for um, a lot of right-leaning people to be okay with seemingly progressive issues where you could be this socially conservative boomer who hates war and hates that there's drug laws like these don't have to be mutually exclusive things um and honestly i think that's a really really good thing i don't know that we're going to return to something like that or i I even hesitate to say return because we're always going forward there's no real swing back it's always going to be forward because what you know this perhaps what we would call return to tradition in let's say 2024 isn't going to look like, you know, the 1940s or 50s where, like you said, we're going to be barefoot and pregnant. Um, it's going to be something else, but it may resemble that in certain regards. So you, you kind of hit on the feminism stuff. Um, I feel like not a lot of libertarians really talk about this stuff as much as it should be talked about. Yeah. And we we're talking a little bit off off the air about how I kind of swatted that nest a little <laughs> bit this weekend. But um. <laughs> I feel like we should talk about these gender issues because they do matter to people and in a political regards as well. Um, When a lot of the programs in government are set up to strictly benefit women at men's expense, this is something that needs addressed and it does change the way that we view intersexual dynamics. So what are kind of your thoughts on how we can address these social and gender issues um, so one, one quick note I want to make is that I don't think that history repeats itself, but it rhymes. Yes. So mm-hmm. we'll see something similar as how things were, but there, there's going to be a new spin on it. Right. Um, and that, that's in my opinion, what rebellion will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how we address these issues. Oh man. I mean. One of the biggest disparities I see is family courts. Yes. Like, especially in the state I live in, it's it's slowly changing, but just automatically siding with the woman. Mm-hmm. That is that is insane. Right. Some women are insane. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I love women, you know, but there there's just there's some women I wouldn't trust with a ten foot pole. I, I, w- I wouldn't trust with a dollar to yeah. not fuck it up somehow. Mm-hmm. But that's the same with men, too. It's not just a woman thing. Um, but to automatically just side with women as if they are the end-all, be-all is, is crazy. Right. Um, and this, uh, this whole idea of uh, women can just divorce a man, take the kids, take the house, take half of his money. Um, I, I don't know where that came from and I, I don't know why society thinks that that's okay. Um, all of a sudden a woman gets divorced and she just doesn't have to work or anything. She doesn't have to provide for herself. Uh, I, I thought we were talking about equal rights here, you know, that, that, that's a privilege. So one, one thing we can do is, uh, stop allowing female privilege. Mm Yeah, yeah. And this is something that really rubs people the wrong way, because um, when you talk about 
gender issues um there are a lot of people who feel compelled to stick up for women but um as i kind of alluded to when you swat that hornet's nest there's a lot of people that want to throw themselves on the sword because they realize this is going to get them female attention well unfortunately (laughs) that continues this whole cycle that we're kind of talking about Mm -hmm. here where we sacrifice ourselves at the behest of women and at the benefit of women rather than being leaders right and and this is really what women actually want they want leaders yep. they don't want a man who's going to constantly sacrifice themselves for you so like for all guys listening here um <laughs> think about when you barrage a woman with text and you constantly text and you blow her up and you ask her if she needs anything think about when you suffocate a woman does she ever return that no no it doesn't work um when you are overbearing, women don't like that because what that says to them is that, that you have no better options, right? So when you die on this hill for women at your own expense, they don't like that and you lose and now you just continue this cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Women want men to be masculine just like men want women to be feminine. Right. Uh, you know, I I don't want, you know, the, the modern idea of a bad bitch or you know, the strong, independent woman that don't need no man. Not saying that a woman needs to be dependent because I, I don't think a, a, an actually strong woman is dependent. Mm-hmm. However, these modern ideas that society has pushed uh, women to be are very masculine traits. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want that in a woman. Yeah. Like, I, I have guy friends for other, you know, masculine influence and other, uh, you know, and when, when I need testosterone time to be around the boys like i've got that i don't want that in my relationship Mm -hmm. now my partner my my wife she she is very strong um and independent of me like we're we're two separate people Mm -hmm. who just decided to be together there's things that she leans on me for and i lean on her for certain things you know just like any healthy relationship but I'm not asking her to do manly things. And in, in fact, she uh, she was telling me, she's like, if I could give up my voting power, if that meant that you had more voting power, I wouldn't heartbeat. And I was like, babe, that's fucking based out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's kind she's of like, I don't want to worry about all of this shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. My, my wife is actually relatively similar because um, she says, you know, I don't really vote because it's just like, I don't know enough. And it's funny because... Um, I don't know. I think I told you about Rolo Tomasi and he's somebody who's really influenced the way that I think. Um, It's, it's something that should be noted that we're required to register for the draft. Right. So in theory, we should have more of a say in how this country's ran because we have to put a lot more on the line. Now, obviously there's no, there's not going to be a draft anytime soon or anything like that. At least we really, really hope not. But, um, we have a lot more at stake because we we have to go die for the country. They don't. Yeah. So um, needless to say, men also pay a lot more in taxes and then work a lot more hours. So overall, men, when it comes to government and how money's distributed, men have a much, much greater effect on that. Now, that's not to say that women are bad or anything like that. It's to just say that men contribute a lot more to that respect of society. Now, when it comes to raising the next generation and children and stuff like that, obviously women are 
primary and much more responsible for that. So um, it, it's just like we can't recognize these truths anymore. It's frowned upon to say these things. And as I, you know, as I've been talking about a little bit, um, it, it's frowned upon to call a failed relationship, a single mother, a failed relationship when that is what it is. Is she a bad person? No, but let's recognize that as it is someone failed you and i have both failed in relationships i'm sure so you know we we could call it that but for some reason when you go over and introduce a child into the picture now it's protected class yeah yeah no that that's bullshit Mm -hmm. um i know plenty of women who are terrible people who the father would have been a way better person for the kids to go with Mm -hmm. plain and simple yeah and this isn't because it's you know that's usually not a, a a man versus woman issue. That that's not you know battle of the sexes. That's mm-hmm. literally just you know who's a good person or not. Right. And being a woman doesn't mean you are inherently good. Mm-hmm. Just being a man doesn't mean you're inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Like that that concept, I I think comes a lot from feminism, which. Yeah modern feminism like even even uh, the suffragette movement had had its issues but modern feminism is completely like demonic for lack of a better term you know it's it's just like straight man hating woman destroying it, like it 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 doesn't build women up at all it it tears everything down and I, I think that's where a lot of that comes from is you know the bra burning, I'm free the nipple, you know, <laughs> like, like that benefits women somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Free the nipple. Yeah. You're so oppressed. Yeah. <laughs> you can sleep with as many people as you want. Yeah. That benefits women somehow. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? It's, it's, it's a joke. Um, and then not following through because relationships are always too, it's a two lane road. So that means the woman probably fucked up somehow just as much as the man did. Right. Um, different relationship, different nuance. Uh, there, there might be more to blame on one side, but it is a failed relationship. And when you bring a kid into it, you do have to take responsibility for that. So that doesn't mean that moving forward, things can't change, things can't be better. But you also need to be choosy about who you're sleeping with yeah like if that person's not going to make a good parent if that person's not going to stick with you you shouldn't be sleeping with them yeah oh oh wow you just said something very offensive and revolutionary i I know i I figured that out over the weekend (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah talk about a twitter storm yeah jesus christ (laughs) um all right, man. Well, we've been shooting the shit for a little bit. I have a couple more questions for you, and then we'll yep. uh, call her a day. Um, what does liberty look like to you? Liberty, well, first of all, it looks like a very limited government. Very, very limited uh, ability for uh, a state apparatus to come down and say, do this or else. Um. I am all about volunteerism. Uh, that that's my biggest thing, mm-hmm. and I only want the government really to step in if there's, you know, I, I want them to be like a referee if they have to exist at all. Right. 
which I call into question if they have to, but that's, you know, my personal journey. Mm -hmm. But if they have to exist, they should step in like a referee during a hockey game. Mm -hmm. That's it. Otherwise, I want to be able to play the game and throw deuces if I need to, you know. Mm -hmm. And Liberty is really just other people getting out of my way to allow me to live. I mean, that that's just the biggest thing. Not putting uh, restrictions as long as I'm not infringing on somebody else's way to live, you know? So that's that's what it looks like. I can start a business without having to uh, get a business license and comply to all of these rules and regulations. Um, not having to to bow to somebody else's whim just because they say so. And that's what it looks like to me. Nice. What does health look like to you? Health? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I mean, health. First of all, just being in charge of your food. That is, that is the biggest thing uh, that health looks like to me. Um, coming from a agricultural farming background, I have a huge disdain for factory farms. Um, being able to grow your own food, although it not it's not necessary, but just knowing where your food comes from, being able to see it grow, being able to help it grow, um, really taking control of what you intake mm -hmm. is like the first baseline of health. Uh, in in my opinion, you get you get out what you put in. And uh, there, there's so many toxins that we're exposed to through every possible means mm -hmm. that uh, taking control of what you eat is definitely uh, the, the first line of defense as far as your health. And then beyond that, it's moderate exercise. Get out of the sedentary lifestyle. Go for a 10-minute walk every day if you have to. Mm -hmm. um, lift weights. That's, that's my thing. You know, it's not everybody's thing, but mm -hmm. just do something. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree anymore. Um, where can everybody find you? Um, the easiest way to find everywhere I am is rise to liberty.com slash links. Uh, that pulls up uh, my Liberty links and it just has everywhere you can find me Odyssey, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Telegram. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere Rise to Liberty or Rise to Liberty podcast. Nice, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I enjoyed being on your show and hopefully, uh, you know, the feeling's mutual here. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you got an open invitation anytime and we'll definitely do it again. So, yeah, dude, if you don't got anything else, we'll close her out. Yeah, honestly, uh, I would just like to say thanks for, for having me on. You're always welcome on my show as well. And uh, thanks to everyone that uh, watches and listens because without you guys, th this would be kind of pointless. Hell yeah, man. For sure. So uh, you heard the man. <laughs> we appreciate it. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, do whatever you can do to spread the word of liberty and health. And until next time, everybody take care. Later. 
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time, from an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.